so we are back. Me and Callum have reunited after a long hiatus of living. Yeah, there was a long pause there because we needed to decide how <laughs> we were going to address this long pause. I think in a lot of respects, living is a good way. Um, living not at our fullest potential. No, as I always like to say in, t- in times of struggle, still breathing. And yes. Ain't dead yet, motherfucker. Yes, exactly. Through the most vicious of formats, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> we aren't dead, and we've come back stronger than ever. We have come back from weeks of writing and using our big brain activities to complete higher education, essentially. Yeah, we're getting galaxy brains. Galaxy brains, big brain activities, big brain ideas. We're typing, we're thinking. So hence the hiatus. We, you know, we were stressing out, but we're back now. And um, this week is is kind of been brewing for a little bit. I, I guess the the topic, right? Yeah, yeah. The topic's been uh, on the agenda for a little while, mm-hmm. and. It's an important one to address. Yeah, and I, I think, like, we were just chatting before this, we, we pressed the record button and we were talking about how everything nowadays is, is about COVID. You know, this is the topic. Like, yeah. COVID has either uh, created a new opportunity or just fucked something up. Yeah. This is, this is what we hear about. So we're going to give you a little pod that has probably little to nothing to do with COVID. Yes. And... To give you a little break. Yes. Because we don't have Donnie T out here yelling <laughs> wild shit to distract the media from COVID. So exactly, we have to fill those shoes. Yeah, we got to fill the shoes. We'll and be a little bit less uh, disingenuous than he was. We hope because yeah. it's not exactly somebody I want to be compared to. But yeah, you know, no, no, exactly. And <clears throat> oh my god, I'm getting hiccups here. Jesus Christ. No, we're okay, but no, (laughs) we, I mean, the big question is, um, North Korea. Yeah. We're not talking about North Korea enough lately. And, and I think this is this, the topic of North Korea has always been sprinkled into our day to day conversations. Donnie T brought it up, you know, when he shook the hands had a nice little photo. I want to say it was the first U.S. sitting U.S. president yes, to meet with a leader of North Korea. That is Korea, correct. Which, I mean, I don't exactly understand how you're going to negotiate any kind of, like, peace deal and move forward if you're not going to sit down with them. Yes. But again, I guess when you're uh, testing nuclear weapons all the time and threatening an attack on the U.S., you don't exactly want to have a chat. No, you don't want to have a chat. And, I mean, I guess, it too, it adds um, legitimacy to the regime. I think that's that's probably one of the big critiques of why uh, leaders of the free world don't meet with um, whoever's in power in, in, in North Korea. I, I always kind of like wonder about that whole argument that it lends legitimacy. How about the fact that they've had control of the northern peninsula of Korea for like <laughs> 70 years and one or had a draw of a war with the United Nations and NATO forces. Like, I mean, sure, you don't want to lend legitimacy to mm-hmm. it, but if you don't have some kind of relationship with them, like, you're never going to make any change. No, I, I, for sure. And I think it's it's within the borders. You know what I mean? 
that's I guess that that would be the point I'd make. It's like, okay, Kim, you know, Kim Jong Il. Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> Kim Jong Il. Name all three. Kim Jong Un. Oh fucking Christ! There's Sung. Uh, Kim Kim Il Jong Sun. No, it's Kim Kim <laughs> Kim Il Sung. Kim Jong Il Sun. <laughs> no, you got. Kim Jong Un, mm-hmm. who's the current uh, what's, Kim Jong- his, what's his actual titer, title? Uh, General Secretary of the WPK, which I'm assuming is the Workers Party of Korea. Yeah, uh, I could be wrong okay. there, but I'm. So this is the thing: the U.S. president comes, Kim Jong Il, Un. Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Kim Jong Un is the current. Yes. Yes. Okay. Look at this buffoon. I'm sure after Donald Trump left. The propaganda machine went into overdrive and said whatever they said. I mean, we need to understand right. that. Oh, for sure. Literally, the math problems that they do in North Korea will have questions like if you have 60 American soldiers and 20 of them get gunned down, how many soldiers do you have left? Nice. Like, this is this is true in their school system. So I'm just saying Maybe that. Maybe that's how we could make kids in american schools more engaged yeah if the questions had to do with shootings yes maybe there'd be less school shootings yes johnny came to your school and was friends with lily and shot her in the face and then shot six more how many are left in your classroom? And then they ha- they'd have to look around and look at each other's faces and count how many people are in the right. classroom. And then the follow-up question could be, now that this is the third school shooting, how many more years until there's gun law changes? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that question is actually not mathematical because you just write never. Yes. And that's a trick question. And that is how you train the fucking youth. You... Yeah, tr- <laughs> that is a trick question. And you got the right answer. God damn it. <laughs> Never. So we can maybe learn something in that respect. We can teach public policy through math, uh, through word math equations. That are a little bit more relatable to the American youth. Yeah, the American youth. Exactly. Um, so this this intersection between the leader of the free world at the time and Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un, I did that on purpose, Kim Jong-un intersect and build this new optic for for the country. And I don't know, I mean, I, I guess it, it, it's, it's kind of an interesting point, I guess, to say that this intersection maybe sparks a little bit of oh, okay, this regime is operating something here that may have an opportunity to also build more relationships with other countries. And Mm -hmm. I think this is kind of where we found some interesting... Well, what we were interested in. Essentially, what are the markets that are running North Korea and how are they sustaining um, a livable society? And by livable, yes, people are dying in the... Well, starving, starving, eating bark... Yeah. How, how is the regime maintaining power? How is it affording to maintain power? Yeah. And how I is think, it generating uh, GDP, essentially? Yeah. yeah. It, essentially, yeah. And how are they funding, well, their 
small but well small but noticeable war machine. Yeah, I mean they have one of the largest armies in the world. Like I want to say they're in the top ten. Oh Jesus Christ! Well, yeah, yeah. They, okay, they, well I was wrong. Like the, their standing army is definitely larger than than South Korea in in terms of like uh, manpower. Okay. Um, and their navy is fairly big. They have quite a few submarines. Yeah. Um, but you know what they have, which is the most powerful weapon. The supreme leader. The supreme leader, fear. And the love of the Supreme Leader. Right. Love is really yes. what makes sure that, that is the, the world grounding runs. emotion for all North Koreans, um, which is literally, like, no, all jokes aside, the sad reality of the facade that no utter of disregard or disrespect um, for the leader can be tolerated. And if that is caught, you there's yourself, some consequences. Yeah, there's some consequences. You yourself, your family, your extended family, out to your cousins. A sloth of people get picked up and axed, or in a work camp. We don't know. Which is kind of the same of most totalitarian regimes, to be fair. Not surprising. It's the classic equation. People talk shit, they get the axe. Or they do hard labor to boost production. To be the only production, yeah, in, in yeah, the case yeah, of North yeah. Korea, yes. yeah. When when they're like, oh shit, we gotta we gotta we gotta bump up production. <sighs> Instead of axing those guys, you know, let's just let's just throw them in the pit. Just throw them in the pit. Here's yeah, here's an axe. Um, but we watched this. Okay, this is a good plug for this documentary. And yeah, I'm shout it out, shout it out. Yeah, I, I'll shout it out. I, I, you know, I'm surprised that it hasn't picked up more of a international attention because I honestly, I, I'll, I've watched a lot of North Korean documentaries and this is the best documentary I've ever seen and I think about North Korea and it also exposes just an interesting side of global black markets that we maybe haven't seen a lot of. And I think it's also very different when uh a state is this heavily involved in the black market right yeah uh like usually black markets markets are something that is associated with uh criminal activity and organizations like that that's a good point. terrorist organizations yeah. whatever it might be like it's funding something state. peripheral to the government institution yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah but like you say the gdp is a function largely of of these sorts of black market production facilities in, Nor in North Korea, in North Korea. for sure, yes. So the mo so the docu series is called the Mole. Um, it's it's a BBC thing too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, BBC um, and the the state uh, the Danish state broadcaster. Yes, so very um, niche, very specific. Yeah. Um, but I think to maybe preface before we get into it, the just a great time, you know. What I'd like to shout out here is <laughs> parliamentary democracies. <laughs> yes. Because they fund state broadcasters. <laughs> yes. And they're the reason for this docuseries that is yes. providing us with great information. So yes. shout out to those. If you're a republic, you can fuck off. Fuck off. Take notes. No, I appreciate that. That is a good call out of literally the important craft and um you know strive for 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 journalism that is uh, well hopefully separate from state interest but nonetheless 
BBC's doing a great job. Anyway, so it's fun. Okay. The Mole, you'll find it on BBC UK Player. You got to do some due diligence to find this, though. This is the thing. You can't just, maybe you have a VPN, BBC UK picks up your VPN. You got to do some due diligence. Also, any VPN providers uh, out there that want to advertise on this podcast? Yeah. Uh, you can also fuck yourself. <laughs> I think we have 70 li- listeners per episode. So. We only take funding from uh, intelligence services good reminder, of state yes. powers. Good reminder. So Good, good reminder. FSB, get at <laughs> us. CSIS, CIA, get at yep. us. Uh, M16, yep. MI6, sorry, not M16. Yeah. Get at us. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if, if you're not in the intelligence business, we have nothing to advertise. <laughs> yeah, we're not interested. That That's a good reminder um, to our, just again, our extensive following um, who may have connections to those uh, institutions and facilities. Um, so, yeah, we figure it out. Okay, honestly, I'm going to say right now, if you want it, message the podcast and we will set that up, the link for you. I'm happy to do that. We'll, we'll provide some details on how one can access BBC. Yes, pointed in the right direction. Let's just yeah. leave it at that. Anyways, um, so yeah, it's the mole uncovering North Korea. And just to kind of lay the bricks for what this setup is, um, it was filmed over, I believe it was about 10 years. So Yeah, it was a long time. It was a 10-year series. And it was um, filmed and and started by this Danish man um, who was a chef, um, kind of part-time. I think he had a couple of um, um, health concerns that didn't allow him to work full-time. Yeah, he was on long-term disability. Yeah, long-term disability. Again, another reason Mm -hmm. for parliamentary democracies. Not Not only are they funding state broadcasters... They pay for social welfare systems that allowed this guy to decide he's be- going to become a North Korean mole, take all the risk by himself, have <laughs> yeah. no support outside of what a uh, documentary maker and an actor friend who poses a billionaire. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe we should try this whole UBI thing. Yes. Because you know what we don't need? More goddamn fucking MBAs financializing companies and making shit products and turning over more profits yes. for shareholders. We need more people on welfare infiltrating totalitarian regimes at their own risk to cre- create insightful documentaries. <laughs> yes. You hear you heard it here first. God damn fuck, it. Fuck your MBA, drop out, go infiltrate a government. Yes, infiltrate, expose Act as a mole. These are more, um, you know, productive means of your time other than pursuing this this career of numbers and fake business on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that's definitely got to be the pod title. Fuck your MBA. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I mean, maybe we could put a little asterisk in the fuck and then it would be able to be yeah. okay, I think. Yeah. Something like that. I like it. Um, but, yeah, so... 10 years. Yeah. So essentially, the mole, this Danish guy, I forget his name now. I, uh, I I can remember the actor because it's so easy. Mr. James. Yeah. Billionaire. I can't remember what his name was now. Um, but yeah, he, he joined the North Korean Friendship Association, which, crazy enough, they're all over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what is the Friendship Association? 
I love, first of all, it's called the Friendship Association. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, and they're very smart to say the Korean Friendship Association. Of course, they, yes. they want to make sure that, you know, yeah. they're assuming that you're not going to put that together with the uh, North Korean regime, right? Uh, of course. Friendship in Korea? That can't be North Korea. No, no. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's a way for North Korean sympathizers to uh, connect in different countries and have a little bit of a calling it a cell might be a little bit extreme yeah but that is essentially what it is right like they're not carrying out acts of terror or anything they're mostly just like a contact for the north koreans maybe you meet some other people from other countries Mm -hmm. and i think it really depends on your interest in it and what you're willing to do and maybe that's you're in with the North Korean regime. Cause I, I think really what it is, is they're looking for, uh, symp- sympathizers that don't have North Korean passports to help them with business and pretty much. Yeah. Bank accounts and all that. I, stuff. I think it, yeah, it's a good, that, that's a good way of putting it. It's like kind of a, yeah, it's a commission council that is kind of meant to try to facilitate business or trade with people who maybe sympathize or just generally, you know, like, Hey, we have have, access to not being sanctioned. Yeah. Like, Oh, we have an international presence in Denmark. This looks good again for the optics to telling their people. And yeah, they can organize a little protest. If there's any, any kind of, you know, kind of like what we've seen here in Canada where, uh, with the Meng Zuo protests, yes, it was fairly obvious that like some of the protests that took place, were geared towards being used for Chinese state media television. Yeah. Like they were yeah. they were using that protest to see essentially justify like hey, she's innocent, Canadians support that same idea and, and I would assume that North Korea might use it in a similar fashion, but obviously they just have less sympathy, they have more control of the state media. It's probably not so much. This is that. a state media doesn't work in North Korea. No, it does work really well because it's the only media. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, 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 I, no, that that makes sense. Yeah, oh, I just wanted to compare we, it to the BBC. That works. Well, I'm I'm almost willing to bet. I can tell you for a fact that the CBC is not turning a profit. So yeah, I, I would imagine CBC being the Canadian version of a of the yes. BBC being a, a beautiful a, broadcasting network. Hey, shout out to uh, Kim's Market for, I mean, that yeah. show's ending, but that was a very iconic... Uh, Shit's Creek, too? Shit's, is Shit's Creek ending as well? Well, it's it's already ended. It's already ended, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I've watched a few episodes yeah. of both. Good, good. Like, it's nice to see some... This is totally off topic, but it's just nice to see some some solid Canadian shows. 100%. Gain popularity. Um, and like good shows too. And good shows. Yeah, yeah exactly. Good shows. Yeah, good not shows. just not just like uh Murdoch mysteries or something. Yeah, fucking Riverdale. Yeah, that's not Canadian, but Well. Just another garbage show. It's a little too local for me, so it feels like it is. Yeah. We're out of Vancouver. And you, you I yeah, they're around. They're around. Anyways, you were okay, you back were to, back to uh North Korea state. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The most, the more important topic here, not me complaining about Riverdale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think North Korea probably has one of the most effective state broadcasters in the world. Yes. And, and 
even before that, you were you were getting into a point about um, again the friendship commission count. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. They're like little cells. Pro- probably a pretty good way of putting it. Yeah. That try to grow like cells do. Like, like cancer, cancer cells. cells. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Jinx. Yeah. Really. Holy fuck. Got to crack a beer now. Yeah. I guess uh, our notes are too similar. Yeah. Really. We're reading off a script this whole time. Yeah, we got the teleprompters. FS, FSB wrote this for us. Yeah, exactly. You guys want some ASMR? Oh, that felt nice in the mic. Did you hear that? I, Jesus Christ, that was nice. That was a, that was a nice crack. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, so yeah, we're looking at... Okay, so yeah, we got these cells. Yes. So this Danish guy... Um, okay, well... well well, essentially, he he kind of he joins the group, and there's. Uh, but what was the intention? Guy, how how did that kind of come about? Well, he saw another documentary by another Danish guy, and that one was called. Oh, shit, I, I want to plug the name, but yeah, you remember? I, I can't remember either. Anyways, he saw another uh, documentary about North Korea, um, and then decided he was essentially going to do a similar thing: try to get into North Korea. Reached mm-hmm. out to this. The same documentary maker that made that film? Yeah. And, and then was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Are you interested in creating a documentary? But a good point, too, with that previous documentary to the documentarian that he reached out to, like, he filmed it and then um, wasn't able to go back because of that documentary. Right. So the documentarian was never allowed to go back to North Korea. Yeah, he was not surprisingly. because of the documentary. Not surprisingly. So... There was this, again, this kind of interconnection here where there was a bit of an opportunity. Yeah. So, but yeah, continue. Um, yeah, so that was his motivation. He sees this documentary. He realizes, you know, uh, instead of going to my kid's school and telling their teacher that they're doing a shitty job and uh, yelling at fast food restaurant workers on my time off, I'm going to do something productive and go infiltrate a totalitarian government. And he does this. Yeah. and Like a good citizen like he a, is. Yeah. And Jesus. so he joins the North Korean Friendship Association in, in Denmark. And there's a guy named Anders. Yeah. Super sc- Scandinavian name. Yeah. Uh, and he's like a, a long-running communist. Uh, he, like, went to North Korea in the 70s, I want to say. Yeah, that sounds... I'm a little bit fuzzy on but, that. Yeah, like, but, yeah, uh, like, involved in kind of whatever communist uh, Danish organizations there would have been, Mm -hmm. met some uh, communists during the Cold War. So politically active for a long time, but political action, and that is kind of where his sympathy for North Korea came from, was more out of the communist thing. Yeah. Um, But it seemed like in his old age, like he was never going to do anything. This North Korean Friendship Association for him was probably just like his, his crib or... Yeah, his, he had friends. His lawn bowling, you know, yeah, whatever the yeah, fuck, yeah, yeah. whatever the fuck yeah, you do exactly. to take up your time before you die. Yeah, and um, essentially, this guy, the mole, uh, realizes, hey, once I've been at these uh, meetings with other uh, friendship uh, association members from other European countries, he's showing a lot of interest, and there's mm-hmm. actual North Korean delegates and ambassadors and stuff that get involved with these uh these groups and these meetings and they kind of pick up on the mole as like hey you're very motivated you're very interested let's 
bring you into a more serious role. Let's kind of push Anders out of the way and have you be the head of the Danish North Korean Friendship uh, Association. And this is where Alessandro comes in, who's a Spanish born North. What's yeah, his? He's quite the character. He's, yeah, he's, he is quite possibly one of the best written, unwritten characters. Yes. And he, okay, just he imagine. Is, uh, a little thicker Spanish man, yeah. gentleman, who always has his button down. There's always one button down. You know the, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. He's a little bit loose, but he's a businessman. Yeah, and you're a little surprised that the shirt can stay tucked into the pants. Yep. And but he's got he does seem to have some charisma. Like he's he you, all, can, he, you can tell that he can walk into a room and he's just boom, yes. boom, boom, boom. Yes. Like he can make that connection with people. He can bullshit he can be in awkward situations and he's if considering that the most of this documentary is in english uh or uh danish with english subtitles mm-hmm. so a lot of what you're seeing with alessandro is english his english is very good yeah like this this man has languages down he's a man of international connections yeah and I believe he's a Spanish citizen because he was stuck in Spain for a while. Yeah, he was well. doing some shady shit in Spain, I think, from what I remember. Yeah. With some sympathy towards some radical groups in Spain. I, I'm, I'm just, again, a little bit of fuzzy on that, but I think there was some questionable acts happening in Spain. Right, yeah. Nonetheless. Not allowed to leave. Um, and this is where uh, the mole decides to make his play i don't know how how many years into this operation he is so this point yeah i mean obviously if you watch the documentary you'll see but i think i guess it's good to know yeah it it was over 10 years so i think this first bit was definitely a long time like Mm -hmm. years yes uh definitely like a cup like a handful of years i'd say yeah there's no way that you get told to push out a communist that has met the first leader of North Korea, which is Kim Il Sung, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I and then just have some random yeah. dude push him out of the way. Like he's he's put time in. Like he he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say too. I we I should have said this before we started, but this whole thing, no one knew except him and the documentarian. He didn't tell his wife, his kids. Right. It was all lie for ten years. Because it would have blown and compromised them potentially. Like he was doing this out of you know a noble act, which it, yeah. I I think was the probably the best decision, considering he wanted to take this road. But I mean, also noble act or just like a little bit of boredom and, and fantasy. Yeah, I mean, either way, it, the the whole made for the whole dog. thing is very fanatical, and it unfolds in a way that a movie would unfold, which just again characterizes how mind-blowing this is. I guess also when you have 10 years of footage uh, and a good documentarian, you can yeah. you can make a lot of things turn into a good story. For sure. Or a story. A story, yeah. So, the okay, so the Danish guy, he gets himself set up, right? And he's able to then make a connection in North Korea. And this is, I think... I guess we, you know, we want to get into the details, but yes. I think this is a fair transition to like about, you know, when he gets into North Korea. Yeah, go for it. So, cause you watched, yeah, you, you finished the first episode a bit of yes. it. Yeah, yeah. So you got, okay. So, cause you know, 
you know, Alejandro. Yes. Yeah. I'm just, I'm losing it with names today. Kim Eun-jun. Son. Got it. Um, so he makes a connection for this Danish guy to go into North Korea. And the whole operation for him to go to North Korea will be under the assumption that he wants to engage in business activities without explicitly naming those business activities. So prior to going to this, um, the Danish guy brings in his actor friend. Mr. James. Mr. James. What a beautiful man. What also... Yeah. He was a sexy guy. He was a Pete. Wow. Like... Like, that guy was a good-looking guy. And throughout... An ex-foreign legion. Like, literally a mercenary. Yeah. That went to prison for eight years and then just decides he's gonna act. That he's... Act and pretend he's a billionaire to infiltrate North Korea. Like... This guy he, he should li- be in the next Dolsaki's Dulsack, act. For sure. He literally lived like some Tom Hardy movie, but his actual life, and kind of looks like Tom Hardy. Well. Well, not blonde, and he has a beard, but. I, I was just I, getting, I was getting Tom Hardy vibes. You, you just know that Tom Hardy's my weakness. Well, that's what I said. Exactly. Tom Hardy is Calm's weakness. Man Crush Mondays are coming up. God damn that the movie Warrior his traps in that movie Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting I'm uh, a stand I'm a stand for Tom Hardy. <laughs> um I guess I say this because he gives me those vibes. He again, this is filmed over 10 years. He wears ex- elaborate suits, he's got beautiful facial hair, he's slick back, he's a cool guy. And he's he's intimidating this Alejandro guy. In a way that makes him very uncomfortable, but also very attracted and excited about this guy. In the way it makes that he feel like it's a real opportunity. It's a real opportunity, and also the Alejandro guy is like, "Oh, this is an alpha. I'm around. I want to. I want to hang out with this guy. He's got money. He wants to conduct business in North Korea because he's a businessman. Yeah, he's ready to do some some fake business. Yeah. and I think really though, uh, what this documentary gave me a sense of was. Um, the desperation for foreign investment in North Korea. Really? Yeah. Really, right? How many other countries... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I guess, jump the gun a little bit and elaborate on what they're offering them, but how many countries, five minutes into meeting a random billionaire, start telling him that we can make you uh, missiles and weapons and meth and and uh illegal drugs like that seems like a very all your cards on the table very quickly uh maybe that's how it's edited um but also i think that just goes to show that like north korea has very little to offer not too many people are importing bark soup yes (laughs) bark soup um is a is a you know is a delicacy in some parts of the world, maybe one part of the world, but no, this, that's that's an interesting take, yeah. Because I mean, all yeah, he would have been having very good directives and very motivated directives for him to bring in business. Like that was his job yes. was to be bringing in international business. I I would say like he seems like he's the European connection because yes. like, everything in this uh, documentary is very like European focused. They don't like there's never really any mention of uh, friendship societies outside of Europe. They're all like yeah. the European ones. And um, 
Exactly. And I mean, a big, a big land, like, yeah, the EU, like that would be a hub for sure because it's the biggest trading block in the world. Yeah. And there's also a lot of people in that part of the world who may be interested in guns, drugs, and, um, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. And there's also ex, uh, Soviet satellite states. So maybe there is some sympathy with the communist thing as well. Right. Yeah. But I mean, this James guy, I mean, when he's sitting down and this is the kind of one of these. So the, the interesting thing is there's cameras filming all of these conversations. That all they hidden think cameras. Are, all yeah. hidden cameras that they think are private. You know, and he's got his legs crossed and he's looking at him and they're dancing around this idea. You know, he's like, you know, hey, I'm looking for, you know, manufacturing of some goods. You know, I'm a business guy. You know, I got, I got some money to spend and. And, you know, they're kind of dancing around a bit. And then he and then he finally says, he's like, well, you know, I have clients, um, you know, interested in um, particular assault weapons um, and, 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 and drugs. But drugs, I think, specifically was meth. Yeah, it seems like their expertise is in amphetamines. Amphetamines, makes, yeah. Which makes sense because it's very, like, a laboratory. Yeah, I, I, need, a pharma- I need a pharmaceutical setup. And I need some guns. And he's like, yeah, we can make that happen. And that's when they're, they're hooked. That's when the, that's when the fish bites the lure and the reel starts screaming. And then they find out they caught some rock cod. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah, I love a good rock cod. making the connection to getting them both him and the Danish guy into North Korea. And they're, they're ready to explore. Like they want to go there and to conduct some business in the guns and drugs market. Cause it's extensive. It's an international market. There's opportunity there. It's a, it's a large market. It's, it's a massive market. So they end up going to North Korea and they, again, this is the funny thing. So at this point, the, the documentary changes because they've gotten the trust and the approval of the f- Friends of North Korea. Right. Right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're no longer just uh, some loser that is yeah. operating. Like some somebody that is, you know, they're on the fringe. North Korea might have interest in them if it has, you know, benefit to them. Now it obviously has benefit to them, and they've now beginning yes. to see the be- the benefits of this North Korean friendship. Exactly. They're, they're they're now or they think they're about to see this benefit. They're now acting like true business associates. There's a partnership about to be formed here. So the funny thing is is that at this point he's allowed the Danish guy is allowed to bring a camera and they're all okay with it because they're so deep embedded into the Friends Association that they think that's going to be used as propaganda. And then like also pro regime. Yeah, pro regime. Yeah. Hey, look at this business deal. So they're all fine with it, it's, which is insane. Definitely an oversight by Kim Jong un on his end because that is a oversight. You know that shit is getting out. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you're allowed cameras in North Korea if you because you you can do the tour bus. But into, this is, the, but it's very specific where and when. And this is a different film. Like I've never seen this um, filming of North Korea because, you know, the answer there and the hotel and everything's kind of the same of like what we've seen um, in other documentaries. But it really changes when they leave Pyong Pyongyang, 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 Pyongyang. Yeah. Pyongyang. Pyongyang. Yeah, Pyongyang. Pyongyang. Um, when they start to go out of the city, they go to a work camp, literally. Um, and it's no different than many other work camps. Concrete buildings and yeah, exactly. people outside Nothing wearing to, rags. Yeah, just uh, the bare minute. Essentially uh, more... But he's allowed... Yeah, Desolate prison. Yes, exactly. Where people have... Some Even freedom. less hope. Yeah, less hope, but like weirdly somewhat perceive more freedom in some ways because they're not behind jail cells at night. But um, so they arrive and he's again allowed to still film. So you're seeing discrete shots. Like I don't think they're not like looking at him, but like he's like kind of discreetly filming. Yeah. And it's yeah, a desolate sort of work camp. And then they walk into this building and then they go underneath the building, underneath the, ma- the, the, the manufacturing facility or whatever. And it is the perfect character. It is the perfect characterization of a, like it reminded me, reminded me of like this mm, kind of like basement dwelling, um, mm, Singaporean, like, like it'd be like this basement, like casino. Essentially it was like this oh, basement okay, yeah. casino. The, 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 the walls had mirrors, there was lights, fake plants, big table, men in suits, like it was like a full clubhouse underneath a work camp. Have you ever watched, um, Mad Men? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the, the episode where they're in the, like, under, like, 1950, or I guess 60s, like, underground poker loan shark kind of place like that. <laughs> yes. Smoky, like, and everyone's kind of drinking and gambling. Like that, but a little bit more, uh, a little bit more animated. Like, it's it's that spin where it's, like, that really cheap kind of funny facade where it's, like, really trying to emulate, like, a casino vibe that you'd be seeing in, like, Singapore or, like, you know, like some like Macau big, or yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah. some of these big like Asian cities, like right. that kind of look. And uh, so they go down there, and this is where the big business happens. So this is at this point they're conducting fake business all the way up to this point to sitting down, and there's maybe about you yeah, know there's there's maybe like eight ish five or eight North Korean officials, right? And there's one yeah. who's not a little bit he's a little bit unsure. They called him, like, straight face. They had a name for him. And, again, he's filming the whole fucking time. It's mind-blowing. And then, you know, they're talking, blah, blah, blah. James is doing his thing, right? He's doing the handsome Westerner, you know, wheeling and dealing. Yeah, he's got that beard oil in, and he's ready to top one of these officials. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's ready. And then the big business starts, and he they whip out the fucking catalog. And this is the war catalog that you're ready to go shopping and take on Saddam Hussein. This is the catalog you want when you... If the Capitol riots really wanted to do a job, you'd be looking through this fucking catalog. Yeah, it's, it's like the Sears catalog for violence. 
Yeah, we're talking about itemized, like, Word document. We have, um, you know, X range missiles, um, and we have X price. We have support engineers, literally called them engineers, who will come and set you up and train your uh, soldiers or your associates in how to function these sorts of things. Again, because they're operating off the presence of the, uh, preference that this guy has a friend in Syria who may need some arms. Yeah, well, he makes he makes a comment um, in the first meeting with, is it Alejandro or Alessandro? Oh, man. Either way, whatever. I don't know. We're not going to get too heavy on the names here. Uh, yeah. Mr. James, the billionaire who's posing as a billionaire, the actor, yeah. makes a comment about um, being anti-American and the be- uh, one of the best ways to show uh, you're anti-American is hitting Israel. Like He, he explicitly makes the point, point that he's anti-Israel and alludes to the fact that his, his contacts might be interested in using these North Korean weapons to target Israel as a proxy for targeting the U.S., yeah, and the North Koreans like that. Well, they yeah they they like that. They like hitting the people who will sanction them. That's for sure. Well, I would too. Threatening to. I would too. I would I would sanction the fuck out of my enemies. If sure. I had the ability, that'd be nice. I'd yeah. love to do that. But we can't do that. I just have to give stern looks and just got to do the thumbs up while driving to really show people your displeasure. Exactly. I think the only outburst that I really thoroughly enjoy these days is uh throwing my hands out the window when I'm driving. That is the one time in my life where I can express full rage in um in my day-to-day life and and I I think it is healthy. Like I think I, it's a healthy expression of rage. I think uh I my new way with like handling rage is just channeling some Andrew Callahan. Shout out Channel Five. Fuck all gas. Oh fuck rights. yeah! Um, oh, yeah. in the in the fact where you just act so oblivious to stupidity <laughs> that they have to give up. Yeah, he's a he's a master at that. Oh yeah, so fucking I'll, master. I'll channel that before I I uh, derail this uh, North Korean topic. No, <laughs> this is good. This is good because. I guess if you hadn't already tell this is spoiler alert. We are we are just kind of going through the timeline, but I think this is setting up for the what is what is the function of of North Korea's GDP? It's largely black markets, and this this shopping list they flip through of a range of of items. Again, they're filming this. They're getting this documented, and. Um, you know, he's kind of talking again. He's more in the assault rifles or whatnot, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, but I, I mean, also just to clarify, too, like it's not just like, hey, you can buy assault rifles and, and enough to outfit infantry. They're like, here's short distance missiles and missile launchers and like anti-aircraft SAM systems, yeah, like, like ballistic missiles, le- legitimate anti-aircraft yeah. capabilities like this. They are ready to like missiles that are just down from um like warheads essentially like big missiles yeah like these are um i guess the equivalent would be i mean they're probably not as effective as like a uh cruise missile or anything like that from the u.s but like what the naval ships would launch in a preemptive strike yeah a similar kind of level of destruction probably not as expensive and high tech 
Yeah. But a similar level of explosive capability. Like, stuff that could start a World War Three easily. If the wrong people had them, I'm, they got yeah. used in the right place. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, Pointed like... the wrong place. Exactly. Essentially, anything that the North Korean military has, they will sell to whoever... Yeah. Wants to buy it. And again, this is some fucking nonchalant billionaire guy who wants to help his friends in, in, in Syria. So this is just the level of desperation of um, North Koreans trying to get some sort of business coming through. So this all gets conducted. And then things kind of take a bit of an interesting turn. And that is sort of trying to explore what more they can get out. So they've they've checked the, the weapons box. Yeah. And now they literally are told that they can set them up with a pharmaceutical um, facility in Africa on an island and that they've already paid the local jurisdiction for. We'll set you up. We deliver all your weapons there, and we'll we can set you up so you're you know you can you, we'll produce all your pharmaceuticals there. Blah blah blah. I love how they use the word pharmaceutical. Yeah, it's 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 legitimate business. We can't be using the word drugs, uh, pharmaceuticals, and they're they're again they're like yeah we we can set you up. We have an island for you to put it. We're already in touch with the locals. Blah blah blah. So this is all again getting set up easily. Within the context of someone coming in and saying, hey, I got some money I'd like to throw around, and um, I want to make this happen. So, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to like, leave the rest up for mystery to sort of... Yeah, to, to encourage... But essentially, imagine somebody who's like, instead of buying a sports team with my billions of dollars, yeah. I'm going to fund war. <laughs> Much more profitable, I would say. Yeah, I'm going to fund... Um, I'm going to fund more. I'm going to fund the deaths of human lives. I'm going to fund killing, pillaging, and destruction. And, hey, I mean, you I know. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, anybody that buys, like, electronic products funds that same <laughs> violence in the Congo and mm -hmm. other places that have minerals. So a shout out, uh, you're just as bad as people buying weapons from North Korea. Mm-hmm. Just FYI. In an indirect way, but within the same bucket, I would say. Yeah, you're just as bad of a person. Yeah, yeah. so just, you know. Just go, remember that. Yeah, go to sleep tonight and or whenever you listen to this and just remember that. Um, but then, so again, okay, we got the weapons, we have the drugs. They're active markets that are supported by work camps and facilitated in underground fake casino spots. But then you sent a video done by the New York Times of investigative journalism about um, sending oil into North Korea. And I found, I, th I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, so the tanker essentially uh, is owned by a whole bunch, like a very convoluted, this person owns this and this person this uh, shell company owns this part of this shipping company and all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then these tankers will turn off their tracking and disappear, reappear. 
a few days later. Uh, the good old disappear, reappear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it appears that they are uh, trafficking Middle Eastern oil into... What a beautiful product that is, eh? North Korea. Fuck. Yeah, well, a lot purer than our shit. Oh, yeah, that's that's the pure stuff. Well, I mean, th- yeah, that's the the whole myth with uh, Canadian oil products going to Asian markets. Uh, pretty much only America is able to process the, yeah. the bitumen that Canada creates. Hey, do you have so. a refinery that can kind of, like, deal with a lot of sand and, like, shit in it? And, like, you're willing to pay, like, pretty high price for it? Well, I that's mean... That's fine. Cuba had the same issue. They, uh, like, after the revolution where Castro took power, they nationalized uh, the oil industry in Cuba, which I didn't realize there really was one, but apparently there was, obviously owned by, like, American companies that owned all this infrastructure and stuff. Um, And then, obviously, the Soviets were the ones funding the, the Cubans in the Cuban Revolution, and their the Soviet technology couldn't handle the corrosiveness of the, uh, of the Cuban oil. So that's it, surprising. Yeah. It, it just, for some reason, it essentially the Soviet shit didn't work. It was awful. I just take Russians didn't as work. not being corrosive people. So why would their infrastructure be corrosive? Well, I, I would say the opposite. I would say oh. that like they are corrosive people. So mm. their infrastructure can handle corrosion. Got it. Yeah, that's what I would say. But, Shit, okay. But yeah, essentially, like, uh, all the stuff that they nationalized fell into disrepair, and then they had issues. Um, Honestly. Which is obviously not happening to North Korea, because they just truck in already produced products. Yeah, you got a little shell company here, a little tanker over there. Okay, also, totally off topic, but this just popped in my ho- head house. Yeah, I love I it. I don't have one of those. I love it. Hey, um, we've got, you know what? North okay, I'm, just, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in on this. Yeah, quick no, no, here. hop in right now before, before you I forget. lose track. It cost fifty grand a day to feed Kim Jong Un. Where did I see this? You sent it to me. I think I sent you an article, but this so is, this this motherfucker. This has been a, a like, uh, I mean, the North Koreans drink a lot just because like there's uh this horrible life that they live there. Actually, <laughs> wait. What? Yeah. Really? Really. So alcoholism is a big thing there. What? But everyone, like all the leaders in the higher ups, they have this like fascination with Hennessy. Oh, Dude, I honestly, I, I think, yeah, Kim Jong-un loves basketball and Hennessy. He. That's a known thing. Is probably better off just living in America. Um, but yeah, they yeah. import, they start import. a podcast in yeah. LA, man. Come Just on, do it. Jesus. Uh, how I gave up being a totalitarian. That would be <laughs> a big hit. Holy shit. And he's just like hanging out world. with like Shaq in basketball <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. shorts doing We're a podcast. Wearing that power suit still, the big, big Power pants. suit up top, basketball shorts on the bottom. Oh, now we're big balling. Get him, yeah. get him a nice set of Jordans. Oh, he'll be ready to go. Shit, that'd be fresh. He's Actually, got some, him he's got wearing some clout. Yeah, that'd be clout. Him wearing that suit with a fresh pair of Jordans, fresh fresh pair of Jays. Ooh, I don't even know what fucking they look like anymore. I'm I'm not a, a shoe person. I'm not a shoe person. Yeah, because they're they're made in work camps, and I just don't can't support that. I can't support that. Um, um, but yeah, it costs like so much money to feed this guy every day. Fifty gra- fifty thousand dollars a, a day. day. What the fuck is he eating? 
Dude, I, you know how good I could eat if my food budget was 50 grand a year? Oh my god. I would oh my god, I would yeah, like, I, would I would eat be so well. much seafood. Yeah, I don't even know what I Man. I need a lot of cheese. <laughs> I need like a lot cheese? of nice cheese. Yeah. Man, I would eat a lot of che- nice cheese too. Do you yeah. have 15 grand? You can eat nice seafood, nice beef, nice I'd, fucking cheese, bread. Honestly, I'd probably just open a restaurant with 50 grand. Yeah, man. Something 50 grand you could get something going. Not great. You need to put a bit more money. Kim so what you're telling me is we're asking for Kim Jong mm-hmm. un. Yeah. Kim Jong un. To fund our MBA. <laughs> yes. So we can create the most mediocre next restaurant chain. Oh my god. Yeah, this is a good idea. We so, st- so basketball themed. Yes. Only drinks on the menu are made with Hennessy. Yep. So it'd be just a range of cocktails rifted off Hennessy. Base. All Hennessy based. Got it. Perfect. Perfect. I like and it. And good for the margins. Yeah. S- soup of the day. Always bark soup. Mm-hmm. What's the main dish? The main dish is. Mm. And every waiter looks like Dennis Rodman. <laughs> the, the, main, the main dish. Oh, man. The main dish is a. It's got to be. It's got to be boiled leeks. Boiled leeks, really? And boiled meats. If we're I, doing bark soup, you got to complement that with boiled leeks and maybe. I, I mean, I. That's where I was taking it. Based off of South Korean fried chicken, I would say fried chicken. Well, I'm just, again, you said bark soup. Yeah, I I mean, I don't don't want to, like, compare, like, take away from South Korea, because, man, that, like, South Korea is a blast. Oh, yeah, if we're doing something Korean, it's definitely fried, for sure. Oh, yeah. We're doing the fried chicken. Probably something with kimchi. Yeah. Love me some good kimchi, man. Yes, absolutely. Kimchi, ooh, yeah. Like a kimchi slaw with fried chicken, boom. We just pump that out. Boom. Fried chicken kimchi slaw sandwich. Perfect. That's always fucking sell. And Hennessy drinks. So I, I, I see what you're saying here. We're actually starting a legitimate restaurant. And the legitimate restaurant... Oh, fuck. That's actually a good idea. That is a good idea. That's all Does it takes, Does anyone man. want to invest? Any Anyone got some money to throw into this business? We have lots of big brand ideas for business opportunities. Another one could be us infiltrating and making an arms deal with North Korea because we already have some insight into that. Well, we could maybe repurpose the arms, mm-hmm. resell them to fund our restaurant. Yeah. So it, it the profits would be facilitating and, a good cause. And we could use our restaurant to only hire... Mm north korean refugees to get them out of the country honestly yeah this is no this is a legitimate uh not-for-profit idea here no because i i was listening to um this woman who escaped from north korea and she runs a youtube channel Mm. yes you were saying to me some of her stuff as well yeah Yeah. and you know she's she's i mean like again like i i just i watch a bit of her stuff and she it's it I mean, I, I like it all, but I think it is fucking hilarious because some of their titles are just like, 
what North Koreans eat in a day or something like that. It's like you click just like it's yeah, you, you mix yeah. clip bait clip bait of Western world with like North Korean like day to day lives and it's like oh god Jesus yeah, Christ and and now you're making ad revenue off this oh great yeah but she does a well, lot she does is... a lot of good for the cause of helping refugees because. They escape from North Korea, and then you're in China, and then no one's there to help you. Well, most people go to South Korea, because South Korea is... Well, depending on what border you're closer to. I guess so, but South Korea is the biggest supplier of aid to North Korea. Yeah, and but that's the thing. So, like, she was closest to the Chinese border, and she wasn't able to, like, cross right. this... Right. crosses into China and then it's like oh fuck now I need to get to South Korea so she had and to like it's not get... exactly easy to get out of China without any documentation or money or anything like yeah. how the f- it, so it just yeah I mean it, it was such a sad story I mean she escaped and with her mother and they were both sold into um, human trafficking like um, and then, yeah, they were able to, like, get enough money through human trafficking and, and just being essentially a sex slave to be able to fund themselves to get to North uh, South Korea and then, you know, be able to come come over to... Uh, okay, so they, the they left South Korea and now they're in yeah, no, North no, America. No, yeah, I didn't yeah. know where she was based. Yeah, so... Uh, but, I mean, having just, again, more peripheral awareness to the fact that, like, they are people leaving that country as refugees and... If they don't escape into South Korea, they're kind of fucked. Yeah, and South Korea does have, like, a pretty big emphasis on, like, reunification. Yeah. And, and like, helping refugees. Like, if I, you leave, the, the, come. They'll, I'm pretty sure South Korea gives you, like, South Korean citizenship if you leave, if you escape North Korea and come to okay. South Korea. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, Um, yeah. But, man, um, I did have the, the opportunity to see... The North yes. Korean border. You should speak about this. Yeah, you um, were you were there. The DMZ. Yeah, yeah. So I the I DMV. Did, I I think um, not the DMV. No, the DMZ. The D, yeah, the DMZ. The thing that hit me the most, I have to say, uh, is so we took a tour bus to the the demilitarized zone, which is like the North and South Korean border. So where did you take the bus from? Uh, from Seoul. Okay. This is about how long an is it? Hour and twenty minutes on the bus. Okay, so it's, okay. it's honestly it's very close. Like Seoul, bit of a cruise though. Seoul is very close to the North Korean border. All right, all right. Um, bit, but, a, bit of a distance. Bit though. of a distance, but like really not that bad. Not too bad for a missile flying in the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Real fast for one of those. Oh, Fifteen yeah. minutes, maybe. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the thing that really hit me was when when you're on that bus and you need your passport and. Uh, the soldier who got on the bus, um, cause they, they have mandatory military service in South Korea. Yes. So a lot of people finish, like you have 10 years to finish it, but most people go do their two years of service and then go to university. Mm-hmm. Some people do it in different ways. Depends what you want to do and all that stuff. Um, but if you flee the country, then you don't need to. Yeah, like I actually had a coworker, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I'm like he his family immigrated to Canada from South Korea when he was ten. Got it. Yeah, and yeah. And he's like, I can't go back because if I go back at my age, I'll get pulled into the military. Yeah. So um, even if you're outside of the age bracket, you'll get pulled in. Well, he was only like thirty one. Mm. So like, if he went, 
it's like you're still within that range. Got it, yeah. So yeah. You'd, he'd have to do his military service. Okay, yeah. But that's also, like, he's a Canadian citizen now, so would they pick up that, like, this is who he is? So there's a yeah, whole... Yeah, he can make... Yeah, I see. You he could, could maybe, but it's, like, a little bit sketchy. Anyways, the guy gets on the bus to check your passport before you go into the DMZ and everything, and, and like, at the time, I was 23, mm-hmm. and I looked at this guy in full military fatigue with a assault rifle and was like, Oh, you're a fucking kid. Um, like I'm, I was young. What, how old do you think he was? 18, probably 18, wow. 19. Right. So he's like a couple years younger than me. And he's mm-hmm. like checking passports stationed at the border. What, what was of, his demeanor? Was he threatening? Uh, I mean, they're very serious. Yeah. They're very serious. Um, right. Cause like they're checking passports. It's a yeah. legitimate, like you're literally, he's gotta be efficient. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too, that like you have to remember is the Korean war never ended. It was just an armistice, right? So mm. it's technically a stale conflict. So it is very yeah, that's, dangerous. And I'm in sure that that's, sense, be, that's right? reminded yeah, when for you're sure. in service. It's, yeah. I, th- I think one of the things that kind of made me chuckle the most though, is there's like a American person mm-hmm. on, on our tour and he went over to like the South Korean soldiers and he was like, Hey, like just really want to thank you for your service and like shook their hands and asked mm-hmm. if he was like allowed to take a photo with them and all oh, that okay, kind of stuff. That's nice. And I was like, wow, this is really kind of funny. Cause I, I don't know that, you know, that that person knew that, like, this is mandatory military service. Yeah. And then, like, also, though, just, like, that difference where, like, that's a very American thing. Yeah, let's take a fucking photo. Well, like, thank you for your service and, like, just that, like, oh. that level of respect for for that service yes, and for, that duty. For, for people in service, yes. Yeah, so, like, that was a little bit funny. But they had, like, this, uh, like, blowing a car apart, like, train from the 1950 uh, North Korean War um they also had like the at the war museum of north korea they have this big circle with uh this is in seoul not in in, on the dmz there but like they have uh all the pillars of all the different countries that uh supported south korea in the the battle and like how many soldiers were sent how many um units what units how many died like they're extremely appreciative uh, appreciative of everybody who who did help so Mm -hmm. like uh there's a lot of cool stuff with that um and then yeah going back to the dmz though like standing there and seeing a chain link fence that you know so wait wait wait. when you were on the bus and you arrived yes what was the what was the picture like what did it look like uh like when you pulled up like is it are there various outposts along the border or is it one main one that's designated for tourists yeah so there's kind of like a few different spots Mm -hmm. that like the tourists get taken to and it's like fairly busy and it's like very touristy like it doesn't feel like oh my god this is like one of the most militarized uh conflict prone borders in the world right like it doesn't feel like that per se but yeah there's like you know you're on the south korean side and there's like chain link fence like all like big fence Mm -hmm. and you know that there's north koreans on the other side watching like anyone's going over that fence like it's not ending well for anybody exactly and i kind of like the person i was traveling with i turned to him and i was like dude this is heavy like this is this is like looking at the berlin wall Mm. right like this is it kind of like hits you a little bit Mm. more especially knowing that like canadians served in in north in the korean war and in that conflict and like 
my grandfather was in the Air Force and volunteered to go, didn't end up going or anything, but, like, that personal connection a little bit more, right? Like, it it just, like, hits you, and it's like, whoa, this is, like, this is real. Yeah, this is is what that amounted to. Now we're here, and we're we're at a chain-link fence, and... And it's a tourist trap. Yeah, people Uh, are taking pics. But they also have, like, the tunnels that you can go into that the North Koreans dug to, like... Get so that they could essentially walk troops undetected into South Korea to like perform an offensive attack, and there's all they like they discover them all the time. So there's yeah, like there's still discovering tunnel. yeah, there's tunnels? tons of tunnels all over the place. But these are ones that like they found and they've like went in and like supported them, and they're like, oh yeah, if you're claustrophobic, you shouldn't go in. Blah blah blah. And I was kind of like, man, how the like fucking tunnels that they're yeah. marching troops through? What the yeah. dude. This is a legit fucking cave. Like, are you hunched over and... The whole time, like, if you're over four feet tall, you're hitting your head. Wow. Like, we had to wear hard hats, and I dome myself so many times. There's Holy like, shit. Yeah, there's, like, times where, like, only one person can walk. So, like, if people are coming the other way, you gotta, like, like get up all... It's definitely not COVID safe. You're, like, all up against the wall and shit. Wow. I was like whoa like this is crazy and this is after they've went in there like the south koreans have went in there and, lit and the built tunnels. it out a little bit like they exactly. want to give you the experience and but so, well, yeah yeah it's supported and yeah. lit and all and i was like safe man how many north korean people lost their lives digging these tunnels like this would be shit work oh my god shit work right yeah um i mean they were just working them until death really. yeah yeah so that was pretty crazy to see that and then there's also like North Korea has this like uh, propaganda town right on the border <laughs> and essentially they'd have all these like North Koreans that live there and would like be told that they have to look really happy. Oh. So that like from the border you can what? see like a What are happy, they doing? What does this town look like? Uh, it's just like a tiny little kind of like couple apartment buildings but whatever but it was like this propaganda town but South Korea used to blat. So they had a pissing contest for a while where everybody would make their flag 10 feet higher. No. And then South that's kind of fun. It's kind of funny. That's fun. and then South Korea realized this is stupid and kind of like stopped. So the North Korean flag is taller. Yeah, yeah. But then what they did to like piss off the North Koreans is they would blast K-pop music. They had speakers all along the border and they 24-7 blast K-pop into North Korea. What a bop. Yeah. What? And then, so, and North Korea got mad about this. So they, to like, work towards reunification, they now have, like, a textile manufacturing kind of, like, village plant thing mm-hmm. where North and South Koreans work together to, like, manufacture textiles. Like, in North Korea, just over the border, as, like, a project towards reunification really yeah but so south koreans will go over the border yeah so they have this like small little it's almost like a how in china they'd have the special economic zones to allow capitalism like companies and stuff yeah obviously not to the same degree but the same kind of idea that it's like this is like a this area here is designated for like textile manufacturing huawei wouldn't pop up there no no exactly yeah yeah, yeah, sure okay pretty much strictly textiles Mm -hmm. um but yeah, like goods of the people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But standing there and and seeing like a hundred foot tall flag in the North Korean flag, just like flying in the air, looking through binoculars and seeing like apartment complexes and knowing that like that wow. is North Korea. That was that was heavy shit. Like that was For sure. It was 
yeah, it was, it was, uh, an interesting day where you just like, I don't know how to feel about any of this. And I don't think, yeah, other than that, it's just, it's weird and it's a facade and, and, and I guess there's a level of peace in the air, but there's also a very, like, there's a string that could be cut. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, the, it, there's a balancing act. The strangest shit I have to say is they have built like a train station right at the DMZ Again, for, towards, like, reunification, mm-hmm. but it's empty. It's, like, a full-on big train station. So, in the event that... that if the if if there is reunification... Yeah. There, the day that border collapses, and, I mean, I guess we're presuming North Korea is going to falter and South Korea is going to yeah. absorb North Korea. That's kind of what There'll we're assuming. There'll be a revolution or something, yeah. That's what we're assuming. Yeah. Uh, in theory... That border falls. There's like a, a train line built to Pyongyang. Wow. But it doesn't run. That was like something that like the South Koreans and the North Koreans built together as like a, hey, this is like a thawing yeah. of our relations. Um, so you go into it and obviously it's a tourist trap, but it's imagine like a big city train station, but it's empty. Not a single mm. train. Like I got goosebumps when we walked in. Like, it was eerie as shit. And you can buy North Korean liquor there. It's, like, the only place in the world where you can buy, like, North Korean alcohol. And candies and stuff. Yeah, man. Did you guys buy any? Uh, I did buy a little bottle of the the North Korean alcohol. Did you drink it? I didn't have any. Apparently, it's, like, it's just, like, a strong, hard alcohol. Yeah, it's... It's, like, very brown, kind of, like... It's a brown liquor. Yeah, it's a brown liquor. Um, That's amazing. So, okay, you can buy liquor, you can buy candies in this train station. Yeah. What does the train station look like? Is there tiles on the walls? Like, is it that kind of look? Yeah, well, I mean, the crazy thing is they have the map of, like, where the train connects. And essentially, you would be able to go from South Korea into North Korea, into Pyongyang, into China, into Russia. Whoa. And it would essentially connect all of Asia into Europe. So you could take a train from Southern Korea. And when I say Southern Korea, I mean like the Southern part of Southern Korea all the way through North Korea into China. And then it kind of branches up into Russia or down into the Middle East and then kind of comes back towards Europe, kind of ending in Germany. Holy fuck. I mean, it would be about two weeks from South Korea through to like Europe. On train, man, that if that, that is bucket. If, if that border that, falls, I, that's bucket list. I'm, I'm, I'm signing yeah. up, man. We're yeah. we're doing it. Yeah, from that train station through North Korea into China and then into Russia. I mean, that is has to be at the top of the list to imagine what that would look like. I can't. I that it yeah. gives me goosebumps thinking about that. Yeah, I honestly, it would almost, it would be really interesting to go from south korea do the the more northern route into uh russia and and europe and then go back through the middle east back Mm. to asia so you do a big circle yeah of essentially uh what three continents yeah (laughs) like like I, a nice, I guess you don't quite hit Africa. You might you you get a more Middle East, not quite Africa, but yeah. You could take a little boat over there, no problem. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Going to Egypt, see some pyramids and shit. Man, well, pff, exa- yeah, see the pyramids, see um, 
the remnants of one of the greatest uh, civilizations to ever, mm, you know, walk on this earth, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And shout out Cleopatra. Yeah, shout out to the biggest. Yeah, to we, boss we, bitch. We love <laughs> we love to see a girl boss winning. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, wow. That okay. That's oh, man. It's just a. It, it it it's it's so cool to hear about the okay okay now i'm kind of curious what does the tourist trap look like you keep calling it a tourist trap what does it look like why is it such a tourist trap and why do you feel like it was like that uh well like the way it's organized right like you get there and there's a lot of buses and they mm. kind of have like the three or four different spots and then there's like to go to uh the un building it's more expensive Oh, you and gotta, like that was wait. You gotta pay to get in the UN building. Well, it's like you can only really go if you're with a tour company. Like you couldn't just rent a car and drive to the DMZ. It's their way of like controlling people yeah. and, like and monitoring making and making money. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, fair enough. You can't because you know that like if there wasn't a tour bus, you'd have fucking Logan Paul and Jake Paul. Like, oh, we're <laughs> we're jumping the border to North Korea today to have a boxing match with uh, Kim yeah, Jong Un. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you're like, you mean the founder of North Korea who's been dead for how long? Like, dude, that's not happening. Yeah, but you know they're pumping out that content. Yeah, exactly. And like, you also like again, you know, there's trinkets, there's candies, there's North Korean alcohol. You know that all of this is mm-hmm. tourist trap stuff. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's super interesting, super cool. I would highly, highly recommend if you're ever in Korea, definitely go do that. Go check that out. Like, Mm -hmm. um, hopefully, hopefully there is a day that that chain link falls just like the, the Berlin wall fell. Um, yeah, that's the dream that, that, I mean, that's the dream. How can you not feel poorly for the families who've been separated for 70 years? yeah 80 years like they're not even families anymore anyone that had brothers or sisters on either side are probably gone yeah it's it's it's, the start of a new family or just yeah a new brand yeah it it it, it, you're a single entity at that point yeah two generations essentially separated right so uh i mean hopefully that that does change eventually just uh a united korea would be nice yeah we're we're for united korea um and and obviously South Korea has a lot of interest in in reuniting. Like, um, they're the biggest donor to North Koreans in aid and all these things. Mm-hmm. They have a similar culture. They share a language, even though I'm sure dialects are different. Yeah, um, but like, and they they were a a singular culture for a long time. Obviously influenced by japan and china and mm-hmm. some of the colonial expansion of, of those countries but mm-hmm. um yeah no who who wants separation in that way yeah and i mean it doesn't it doesn't seem like north korea is taking strides in 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 a direction that supports it which is unfortunate and i and i think i guess the documentary too was i think just a great snapshot into what is literally keeping that regime afloat in some respects financially yeah financially 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 uh i think it's gonna be really hard to see a unified korea when south korea is so strongly allied with america and the last thing china wants is an american ally on their border 
Yeah, they literally love, bordering them. Love right? that. Could yeah. you imagine? Yeah. So you, you, I mean, there's already so much tension with Taiwan these days, and Hong Kong, <sighs> and the South China Sea in general, and Japan and the U.S. and and China. Um, so seeing a unified Korea is probably, uh, yeah, less likely. Very, yeah, less likely to say the least, and also highly contentious and. Makes me genuinely worried about the the potential outcomes of where that part of the world may be going, which we're already kind of seeing in Hong Kong, mm. um, with again str- struggling for maintaining somewhat of a free democracy after the it was handed over from British rule, right back to China. So I guess I, <sighs> yeah, it's it's seeming especially, and that may under... be the fate of Tai. Well, Taiwan, yes, overseen by China, but yeah. very much figured as a nation state. Yeah, nationalistic. We do our own things here, and we're not the same as the way that the PRC operates. And 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 the, that that's maybe for another conversation, but. I mean, it just seems like there's these, yeah, of course China is the central pillar that unites all of these, and the the big bully gets gets what they want. And North Korea yeah. has played their cards right in some respects, that I'm sure China is in large part a very important contributor to the stability of that regime in respect to things that... I mean, support the economy, but then also just support the lives of the people. Just basic goods that they need to... Well, I think most of the military technology comes from China, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine when China would like to supply weapons to a country or a party or a group, yeah. they're going to use North Koreans rather than yeah. Chinese people because then they have uh, lesser accountability. Same thing with hacking operations. Yeah. Using them as kind of that um, secondary, um, secondary group that gives them plausible deniability really mm. is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, a buffer zone from American ally to China and the ability to use North Korea as this um, proxy for. Um, they're essentially like a Chinese Blackwater. They can, they can that, use yeah. they can use North Korea for the dirty work that they can't be attached. To. I was gonna yeah, that's where my brain was going with that point. Is that I I feel like North Korea is a good litmus test for the state of how the Western world responds to or or how what the state of the Western world is in response to North Korea or the um the decisions and actions made by by them in particular and then by extension China in some respects. Like just, again, testing yeah. uh, diplomacy in some respects. And what using, happens when North yeah. Korea pushes this button? Will it be different when a bigger player does as well? Yeah, it's like a good way of like hedging your bets for sure. And fuck, it's just so crazy. I, I just would... God, imagine walking into that room. Fucking Donald Trump, that fucking guy... Walking to her room and meeting Kim Jong Un for the first time, you know, yeah, just a just a 
just a kid from New York with a small loan of $10 million. Was it $10 million or $1 million? $1 million, Who gives a fuck? Same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, $1 million to start, and then his dad bailed him out a couple other times. Yeah. So. Buy a building and call it a day, son. That's business for you. Fucking pour liquor and... Um, Gentrify a neighborhood and make some money on it in 10 years. That's, that's called big business for you. It's uh, New York real estate. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Melania and uh, Kim Jong-un's wife um, had a lot to talk about. Is he married? I've never seen his wife. I've seen his sister, who I think... Man, I... I get this vibe that, like, if she takes over yeah. North Korea's... There was some speculation that, that well, well when that they he died. It, yeah. And that she was running the show. It, it, because it, there's there, three, my understanding is there's three brothers. None of them really had interest in taking over. And he was the uh, l- least bad option, Kim Jong-un. Yeah. His brother got caught in, like, Disneyland Japan or something like that and was, like, uh, anti the North Korean regime. Mm. So, to me, the only way you get reunification is the only family member essentially wants that's left wants to reintegrate and doesn't see the point in continuing this uh, totalitarian state. And then there's a bit of a uh, coup attempt by high-level officials against this family member mm-hmm. and then depending on what kind of support they can get, who knows what happens. But that's that's really the only way I see, uh, you know, the fall of North Korea. Yeah, I mean, and that's true. Like, some of the kind of the defactors or, or people who, within the regime, who want to participate outside, right? They want to dip their toes more in, 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 in doing international... Uh, they want to shove fucking hot dogs in their mouth and uh, whatever, sing Mickey Mouse songs. I don't know, Jesus. Like they don't want to have to pretend that uh, yeah. the great leader doesn't poop and yeah. that they could decimate America in conflict. Like that's just not what they want to participate in. No, exactly. And uh, I don't blame them because they're a fucking human, and they also live in the twenty first century, where that is the world that we're in, where <laughs> people don't live like that. But it's at, it's at least you can take solace in the fact <laughs> that it only gets worse. Yes. It only gets worse. <laughs>